Hello, and welcome to Thrive, a podcast that gives you strategies and inspiration to help you live your best life. Learn from us, two cancer survivors, as we show you how we don't just survive, but thrive. Hi, I'm Dara Kurtz, author, speaker, and creator of crazyperfectlife.com. I help people learn how to bring more joy into their lives, find meaning each day, and connect with the people they love. Hi, I'm Garth Callahan. I am a seven-time cancer thriver, but more importantly, I am also the original napkin notes dad. I've been writing notes to my daughter, Emma, and sticking them into her lunch ever since kindergarten. We are in for such a big treat today. I am so happy to introduce our brilliant guest, Stephen Aitchinson. He is an online entrepreneur. Really, if you want to know how to do something successfully online, Stephen's your guy. He also teaches others how to change their thoughts and be more positive. His Facebook page has over 3.5 million followers, and he just released an inspiring book, The Belief Principle, The Seven Beliefs That Will Transform Your Life. Welcome, Stephen. We are so happy to have you. Dara, thank you very much for having me on the show. Really, really appreciate it. So, number one, Stephen, where do our beliefs come from? Where do our beliefs come from? Well, they're formed from a very young age, from really from the day you're born, you're starting to develop, not kind of cognitively, you're not conscious, obviously, aware of it. As you start to get older, you get your beliefs. If you think about it, you get your beliefs from your primary caregivers. Usually primary caregivers are going to be your parents and mums, dads, grannies, whoever's looking after us, because what their beliefs are are kind of passed down to you. So you kind of learn by kind of looking up to others or you kind of learn by others' actions in front of you when you're kind of first born. So this is where we kind of get our beliefs from. And we obviously get them from our peers, our teachers, and kind of siblings as well. We get our beliefs from them. They're kind of passed down. But this is all done unconsciously. So when we're young, we get all these beliefs, and yet we don't even know what our belief is, but most of our beliefs are formed by the age of seven years old. That is seven such a terrifying old. thought. I mean, when, you're, when you say that, I'm just sitting here thinking, how much have I screwed up my children? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, think about it, though. We don't, because what you're saying in your book is we don't realize we're passing on our belief system that was passed down to us, to our children. And that's why it kind of goes from one generation to the next. Well, exactly. So some of our beliefs are literally hundreds of years old. So we're still passing the beliefs that we've learned from our childhood onto our children. So a big example of that would be the money beliefs that we have. Yes. So our the kind of previous generation, usually they're not that well off because they were living in kind of hard times after the war and stuff like that as well. So a lot of people had the beliefs that they just cannot earn money, money doesn't grow on trees. They have all these kind of sayings that have been passed down to us. We kind of pass that on to our children um, as well. So that now they've got the kind of same money beliefs, although we brought them up kind of better, we're giving them a better life because we've been determined to do that, our generation. But these beliefs are kind of passed down, and this is where a lot of money beliefs come from as well. This is why people go into debt. They don't have the kind of patience to save up and stuff like that as well because the previous generation and the generation before that, they had to kind of go into debt. They had to kind of do things on credit as well, if you will, if even if they had the um, kind of the time and the money to do it. So a lot of the beliefs are kind of passed down. So we have to be really, really careful the way we speak to children. When somebody reads this book and they're a parent, they'll just go, holy shit, I, I need to <laughs> kind of be careful about talking to my children. You know, it's uh, kind of terrifying, actually. 
Dara, I think, you know, um, and, and maybe I'm assuming too much about you and your life, but I know that I was really, uh, Stephen, I have one daughter. She's now 20. But in fact, Dara and our, our, our daughters know each other. They're all in the same age group. And I made a really conscious effort to, I don't know, instill this sense of confidence and yes. well-being with my daughter, knowing that, you know, growing up as a, as a woman in these times is challenging in and of itself. But Stephen, it's interesting to hear you talk about how we carry on previous generations' beliefs about even something as simple as money. Yep. And I know that my dad uh, was a mortician. He practiced in a very small town. So money was always an issue because um, no, no amount of marketing was going to make more people die. Right? So, <laughs> right? So, right? So, and I remember that we didn't talk about money, but it was always kind of the subject in the background. Yeah. And, and I, I remember like my daughter now, she's asked a couple of things like, Hey, how do I start building up my credit? And we've had discussions ever since she was a teenager that, you know, we don't, as a, as a family, we don't use credit cards. We use cash or we use debit cards. And so I'm hoping to break that cycle, but I also know that she's 20. Right. And so at some point in time, she's going to start to make her own money decisions and hopefully she'll be making good ones maybe I broke the cycle because also I think that my sister was raised very differently than I was. Um, even though it was the same household, the same parents, the same. So interesting. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's so, pretty amazing kind of what we pass on and what she's going to pass on um, from kind of her life as well, but slowly gets kind of whittled down as well. So it will dilute and um, that kind of message will dilute, but they're still hundreds of years old. One of your big goals, I think, to empowering your readers is for people to realize that you can change your beliefs. You can, you actually have the power to do that, but it's not as easy as it sounds. Mm -hmm. So how can our listeners who are, you know, taking this all in and thinking, okay, yeah, maybe I did get that belief from my parents and maybe actually, maybe I don't even really believe that, but how do we kind of rewire ourselves? Okay, so the first thing is, if I was to say to you and Garth just now, or just ask you the question, what are your personal beliefs that you hold about yourself just now? That's a kind of difficult question because you, you kind of step back and go, do you know, I've never really thought about it. You don't really think about your personal beliefs and the beliefs that you hold in yourself just now, but they're always on running in the background like an app on a phone. Mm -hmm. I love <laughs> that. See all these apps that you've got on your phone, they're always in the background kind of draining your energy or kind of boosting your energy. And that's what your beliefs are doing. So the first stage is becoming aware of our beliefs. What how, do we beliefs? Do, how do we do that? So the very first, the, the, the first kind of exercise I give people just to say, uh, when they ask that very question, is tell me, or just now, Dara, tell me a goal you've got for the next year in your life. What? Give me one goal that you've got in your life. One goal that I have in my life to enhance the relationships I have with the people that I love. Okay, what beliefs would you need to have in order to achieve that goal? That family is a priority to me. Right, so that's a belief. What other beliefs? Okay. There's, other, there's always going to be more than kind of one or two or right. three or more yeah. beliefs. So you get a list of the beliefs okay. and you say, okay, do I believe that about myself? Do I believe this kind of belief? And then if it's a no, then you know you need to work on that belief or you know it's a limiting belief because you don't believe it. So a lot of people say to themselves, say, for example... 
they kind of do this every day and say, I'm no good with computers. That's a belief they've got because they're affirming it every <laughs> single day. Dallas, perfect one. Oh, that's no. I'm no good. I'm no good with tech. No, no, I should actually say this. <laughs> I worked one on one with Stephen like five years ago, so he knows a lot about me, actually. <laughs> so that what I mean that what you actually told me because that was a belief that I had and still sort of have, right? Yeah. yeah. Because it suits us at the time. It suits us to say, I'm no good with computers, yeah. I've passed the responsibility on. But at the same time, you're affirming that and you're starting to believe it. And what happens when you tell yourself something like that, yeah. your kind of subconscious mind shuts down. So when you look at a computer, your subconscious mind goes, Dara, don't look at the computer screen, it's going to break, something's going to happen. Just walk away, let somebody else do it. Your subconscious mind shuts down. But when you start to tell yourself something different, when you say, I'm getting better with computers all the time, then your kind of your subconscious mind then it kind of reopens and starts to look for solutions for things. Like every single thing I've learned online from building websites to marketing is all done through Google. Yeah, I love I've that. Everything online. So that the first stage is to become aware of what beliefs you have, and that's asking the question, what goal do you have? That's a simple way to do it. And there's other ways as well, but that's a very simple and quick way to find out what beliefs you have. Then when you become aware of it, then you start to say, okay. What do you need to do to change that belief? If it's a limiting belief, if you don't, if you don't believe you have confidence, I have no confidence. A lot of people might say I've just no confidence at all. What could you say to yourself to say, okay, I do have confidence? So you need to find evidence to prove that you do have confidence. So it's true to say that you've not got confidence in in a, in a general area, but you have got some some confidence uh, with your ability to write. That's having confidence. That's a piece of evidence you can use to overwrite uh, an old belief. So very, very quickly, when you've got a, an old belief that's limiting yourself and you've got, you want to install a new belief. So you've got this belief here that says, I have no confidence. And you want to install a, a new belief that says, I have a massive, I'm, I'm really, really confident. There's something called cognitive dissonance happening mm -hmm. there. So you cannot hold two opposing beliefs in your mind at the same time. One, the stronger has to win out. So over time, this kind of new belief that you're having, you have to find evidence to prove that new belief. So confidence, I've got the confidence to write. I'm a really good writer. I've got the confidence to stand up and speak in front of my kind of work, where I work. I've got the you've got you find lots of different pieces of evidence. And slowly this old belief kind of turns into a molten belief. It's no longer rock solid. And the new belief kind of goes over it. And pretty soon that new confidence kind of belief is rock solid. And that's kind of very, very quickly how a new belief forms over time. It's kind of like what you call your belief formula. Yeah. Where you say perception plus evidence plus repetition and time equals a yeah. new belief. Exactly. Yeah. So I love how you broke it down in that formula. You know, Stephen, you said something that I think is worth kind of going into a little bit more because I, I think a lot of people don't realize that we have our conscious mind and we have our yeah. subconscious mind. Yeah. So can you explain the difference? Because I think it's so interesting and a lot of people listening probably maybe have never even thought about that. So your conscious mind is really what you're thinking about, what you can uh, consciously think about. You're choosing to think about something. You're choosing to look at something. You're choosing to read something and think about it. Your subconscious mind is a processor for everything that's happening in your conscious life. So it's just processing all that information, kind of storing it. Um, and what it does, whatever you tell yourself, the thoughts that you have every single day, and most of your thoughts are the same thoughts as yesterday, 
and the same thoughts as the day before. But what you tell yourself every day goes into your subconscious mind. So you're kind of affirming lots of different things in your life every single day of your life. You're affirming it. You're affirming it. And, and we don't even realize we're doing and it. And you don't even realize it. Like you might tell yourself every day, just like I've said, or you might have a conversation very surreptitiously. I'm no good with computers. You turn the computer, I'm not. You just kind of tell yourself you're affirming that every single day. But conversely, you're affirming, you look in the mirror and go, I'm actually quite good looking. I'm good looking for my age. Or you, you, you have the <laughs> confidence beliefs as well. I don't look in the mirror and see that. But look, we'll do, this is how they get, um, there's two sides to it. It's not all bad right. and limiting beliefs. You can have empowering beliefs as well about yourself. So that's why everybody's got empowering beliefs and limiting beliefs. It's the limiting beliefs we want to get rid of. So the subconscious mind is kind of the storage for all that information. So when you have a limiting belief, it will store all the evidence to prove that that limiting belief is true. That's what your subconscious mind does. So we need to find a way to marry a conscious mind with a subconscious mind, and that's becoming aware of our beliefs initially, because all the beliefs that you have, they're stored in the subconscious area. And we need to find a way to marry the two together and become conscious of the beliefs and then change them. I don't it's know if that explains it. No, it, it, it's really kind of like paying attention to what you're allowing your brain to think about yes. throughout the day so that you can intentionally feed yourself thoughts that build you up instead of tearing you down. Yeah, but the thing is, we have, on average, say we have 60,000 thoughts per day. <laughs> and about, I don't know, 50,000 of those thoughts is, like I said, the same thoughts as yesterday and the same thoughts as the day before. So you've got about 10,000 kind of thoughts. And I'm, I'm being very general. I don't know where the figures mm -hmm, are coming sure. from. But 10,000 of those thoughts are things you've never really thought before. They're kind of new. You're doing, you're picking the kids up from school, although not just now, but you know what I mean? Um, you're doing different things. But what happens to the other 50,000 thoughts? So you can actually become um, conscious and aware and say, okay, I've got 50,000 spare thoughts. Mm. I can, so when, you, when you're in a queue, standing in a queue at the shops, you start thinking about positive affirmations or you start thinking about your beliefs, looking for evidence. That's new thoughts that are going in. So you use those kind of 50,000 thoughts that, you've kind of, that you're just using every single day. It's on repetition. So you just start to consciously become aware and put new thoughts into your mind. What you feed to your mind is going to come out of your mind as well and kind of manifest it as your life. I'm yeah. so glad you used the manifestation word because yeah. I think a lot of people, you know, are really into, I feel like it's kind of a buzzword, you know, oh, let's manifest. How? But don't you feel from your work that you've learned that if your subconscious mind doesn't believe something you can only make really manifest something from your subconscious mind. Is that right? I'm actually asking you. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally, 100. Okay. You cannot you cannot grow beyond the level of your beliefs. Okay. So if you've got a belief and it's got uh, all your beliefs have got a ceiling and have got walls. So okay. if you've got a belief that um, you're, you're never going to be a writer, you're not going to be able to write a book. You're going to hit the walls and you're going to hit the ceiling. There's no way you're going to be a writer. But then when you start to prove to yourself and you look for the belief that you can write, oh, I've written loads of blog posts, I've done this, I've done that, sure. then those walls and the ceilings come down. And then that energy, because your beliefs have energy as well. That energy, yeah. That energy will attract different things to you. And, and, it'll, and it's got like the reticular activating system, whereby you notice things when you turn that on, 
So it's like when you buy a new car, you start to see that car everywhere, even at the mm-hmm. kind of front wheel mm-hmm. of it, you start to recognize it. That's what it's like with your beliefs as well. Uh, and that's I love that. You open up. I would be so grateful if you pre-ordered my new book, I Am My Mother's Daughter, Wisdom on Life, Loss, and Love. As a thank you, there are five free downloadable items that will be immediately sent to your inbox when you fill out the pre-order form at crazyperfectlife.com. Thank you so much. I am incredibly appreciative. So Dara, you know, this whole conversation is reminding me of of the phrase that I I always use. And I and I can't remember when I started using it, but I think that that has been my shield, if you will, against being mundane and against being normal and against being confined. What and is you it? Know, you know the phrase, Dara. What's the worst that could happen? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes, I use that all the time. Yes. I, I remember the first time in my life where I consciously like thought that to myself. And I might have been subconsciously thinking about it up until that point. But I, I was maybe 17 years old and we were on a field trip to Washington, D.C., which was a big deal because I'm from northern New York. So we had to take a bus and it was an overnight trip. And it was a and I come from a farming community. So the fact that that we were going down to the, the capital, was, like, it was a big deal. <laughs> and I and we had these small breakout groups. So we had free time in the afternoon. And so me and my other 17 year old friends, we were trying to figure out what to do. And my mother was the chaperone. (laughs) And my mother has a very fixed mindset. I turned to my friends and I said, hey, let's go see if we can pop into Congressman Martin's office and say hi. And my mother looked and she said, you can't do that or he's not going to see you. And I just I remember looking at her and, and saying something like, oh, just watch us. Right. What's the worst that could happen? We could go to the office and then they could, in fact, turn us away. But I remember thinking that. And Dara, you and I have had this conversation. Yeah, love it. In that I I really think to myself, you know, oh, I'm going to learn how to make cheesecake. What's the worst that could happen? I ruined four bricks of cream cheese. Right. That's the worst that could happen. What's the best is that my family has a fantastic cheesecake for the next couple of days. You really do live your life that way with, and I've learned that from you. And I, I love that. I mean, we talk about that a lot and Steven, you, you really believe change your thoughts, change your life. Um, And so those really are kind of, they're parallel, I think, if you will, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Oh, definitely. If you, if if you, like I said, thinking the same thoughts day in, day out, nothing's going to change. Nothing at all is going to change. If you start changing your thoughts, even if you do kind of a small thing, a small experiment, you start to see how your thoughts really do kind of manifest what you have in your life just now. It really does. And what you were saying there, Garth, as well, I love that. What's the worst that can happen? But then if you look at conversely and ask the question, what you said there, what's the best that can happen? Yeah. Because most people yeah. focus on the worst. They, can, and they just go, oh, no, it's going to be terrible. And they stop themselves from doing it. But then if you ask the question, what is the best that can happen? Then so it starts I- in a shift of thinking. Why do people usually think the worst? Why are our minds trained to say what's the worst that can happen instead of what's the best that can happen? Right. Think think of your mind as just something that's kind of like we're trying to to protect ourselves. Yeah. So no, it's just like this kind of little person standing. I don't know if you ever read there was a comic called the and it had the numbskulls in it. 
I don't know if you ever had that over there. I missed that one. Little, little people that kind of stay in your head and they control okay. different things. So we've got little kind of people as ourselves, obviously, that stay in our head. And they're kind of lying back on the sofa, feet up, watching the TV, eating a bag of chips. Uh, when you want to do something that's a wee bit more difficult, you've got, they're going outside your comfort zone and go, screw that, just stay in your mm -hmm. side your comfort zone. I'm just going what? And they tell you all the things that are bad that could happen if you try this new thing. So they can sit on the couch and just be comfortable. That's inside your comfort zone. So the only place you can grow as a human being is when you get to the edge of your comfort zone. That's when you get that excited feeling, mm -hmm. but it's a bit scary at the same time. So if I was to say to you, kind of Garth, okay, you need to do a speech in front of 500 CEOs next week. He'd say, go, what time do you want me to be uh, that's there? That's right. We, we'd be, we'd be <laughs> like, yeah, sure, let's go. <laughs> so a lot of people would. They would relish that. I would just go, well, this actually happened to me. They asked me to go to India. And the very first thought, that little numbskull inside my head said, you can't do that. You've never, I've never spoken in my life on stage before. But I wrote back and said, yeah, I'll do it. Because I didn't want to do it because I was scared to do it. You but that's how I knew I was going to grow as a person. So we get comfortable being in that comfort zone. It's only when we get outside the comfort zone can we grow as a person. Dari, you know the answer to my, the questions when people ask me? Yeah. When somebody asks me anything, Garth, can you, will you, would yeah. you? Sure. It's always yes. Yeah, for sure. And then, and then I'll figure it out. Even, even if I'm terrified. Everything's uh, figured outable. Yeah, I, I was running a tech company once and somebody came, and it was a very small tech company. And somebody came to me and said, hey, could you move a data center? And I said, oh, absolutely. And then I left that meeting and I thought, oh, God, how am I going to move a data center? I've never done this before. But the answer had to be yes in the beginning. Yeah. Otherwise, I never figured it out. Yeah, love it so much. Yeah. So, Stephen, you talk a little bit about seven beliefs specifically that will transform our lives in your book. Can you yeah. just like really quickly hit on the seven just so our listeners will get a feel for what all the good nuggets they'll get in the book? Yeah, what I'll do is I'll give you two really important ones. Okay, perfect. So I want to kind of leave some to okay. imagination as well so you can yeah. do the book. Yeah. So the, the first suspense. one is, and this is a lot of people have difficulty with this, and it's I am worthy. Mm. That's a big, big kind of belief to have about yourself because a lot of people don't feel worthy in lots of different areas in their life, not just in general, but in a relationship, in their job, what they're doing, their career, their business, whatever it is, a lot of people just do not feel worthy. When you kind of do, there's an exercise in the book as part of the deep soul feeling method. When you kind of do that exercise and you start to truly, and I don't mean just kind of lip service, play, play lip service to it and say, I am worthy. Look in the mirror and say, I am worthy, I am worthy, I'm worthy. It's not that. This is about really feeling it because that's part of um, changing your beliefs as well. You have to feel it. It's not, if you don't feel it, it's never going to happen. Yeah. You have to feel it as well. So I am worthy is a big, big, huge one. And there's a lot of kind of stuff that comes up. When you put your hand on your heart and you say, I am worthy, and you start to truly feel it, a lot of people get extremely emotional because they've never told themselves or they've never been told mm. that they're worthy as a human being. And it's really, really powerful. So that's the very first one that we kind of talk about. Another big one um, is I am responsible for everything that happens in my life. Mm. A lot of people, and they don't like to hear this, um, a lot of people don't take responsibility. They pass kind of the buck onto somebody else, they blame um, somebody else for things happening in their life. I'm not talking about things external to them. 
I'm talking about things that they could have had or they could have controlled in some way or they had, and it's not about blame. It's just holding your hand up and say, okay, what part did I have to play in that? What would I do differently? When you take responsibility, you're bringing your power back to yourself and you have 100% power instead of giving your power away to the people that you blame or the things that you blame. So what's happening just now? A lot of people are blaming the kind of government. A lot of mm-hmm. people, kind of, there's a, a big kind of blame culture out there. But you have to say to yourself, okay, what part do I play in this? And what? how could I change the way I'm living? You can't change the country, but you can change the way you and your family are kind of living through this kind of crisis just now. So we have to take responsibility, and that's a big, big belief to kind of control and have a 100% power over it as well. And when you get it, just totally transforms your life. Wow. I mean, those are profound words. And I hope that our listeners are, I think they're seeing that. Stephen just, he's the real deal. He knows what he's talking about. And um, this book is just full of such wisdom. And really, it sounds so simple, little tips that really don't seem so hard. But if you start applying them, and just like you said, if you like kind of retrain your mind and help yourself feel the way you want to feel, um, it's really amazing what kind of transformation you can have. Uh, literally, I mean, even just, uh, uh, I've got seven beliefs in the book, but even if you just look at one belief and change that one belief, you would not recognize your life in one year's time. Wow, that's amazing. So one thing that we always love to ask our listeners is if they have a little thriving tip, like a little extra nugget of goodness that they can share with us. So in terms of how you help yourself thrive in your life, is there one specific tip that you could give our listeners? Yes, there's a big one. And it's, um, it's to do with something called the big I am. Okay. Anything you see after I am is what you are. I am no good with computers. I am good in certain areas of my life. Anything after I am, you are that kind of person. So think about the things. Use the 50,000 spare thoughts per day and just affirm to yourself, I am good. I am worthy. I am responsible for my life. Use affirmations because most people don't use the power of affirmations the right way. Affirmations are there to go into your subconscious mind to help you to take action, not just to kind of sit there on the sofa kind of watching the TV and just playing nice as Mm. to get you to take action. So if you can use those 50,000 spare thoughts and put I am statements in there that are going to empower you, then that's going to be, oh, it's going to make a huge difference in your life. Even if you practice it for one week, and just do it every day, 15, 20 minutes a day, it's going to make such a huge difference in your life. Do you have positive affirmations that you use with yourself every day? Like, do you have your own, like, Stephen's positive affirmations? Like, depending upon what your goal, what's going on in your life? Um, depending on what's going on in my life mm-hmm. just now. Um, but there's one that I discovered as I was writing the book. So I wanted a, an exercise when I was writing the book and researching for the book. I wanted an exercise that would be quick, easy, and powerful. Uh, And I was doing, I kind of go out jogging about half past five, six o'clock in the morning. And after that run, I kind of do meditation at the Glasgow University because it's got beautiful grounds. It looks like Hogwarts from Harry Potter. (laughs) Stunning. It honestly is. It's stunning. But I kind of meditated there and I was sitting meditating kind of one day. The kind of phrase, I am the light, I am the energy, I am the love, I am the universe. 
it just kind of, I don't know, it just came to me. I don't mm -hmm. know where it came from, but it mm. came to me. And I've started using that for 15 minutes every day. It's just that mantra. I love and that. Just, it just feels so empowering. So I've kind of recorded it and I've put that. Anybody that buys a book will get that as well, along with kind of some other exercises. Oh, nice. But that is a mainstay. But then you've got other ones. When I want to lose weight, I'll say, for example, I am 13 stone. Um, and that's the weight I want to be, get down at 13 stone again. Um, so I kind of say I am 13 stone, but that cognitive dissonance is there. So you've got to kind of do things like go out jogging and stuff like that as well. So it's about taking action, these I am statements. Mm, I love that so much. Garth, do you have a napkin note for us? I do, but before I go into the napkin note, I wanted to say, so Dara, I know you and I have talked, we joke about your lack of love for technology, but there was something I started working on with my family a couple of years ago. And it started as a technology thing because my mother is not good at technology. Lisa, my wife, isn't very good at technology. And they kept saying things like, oh, I don't know how to do that. Or, or you know, they, they were getting frustrated. And I said, you know, you, you need to add one sentence to that word. Yet. I yet. don't know how to do it yet. Yeah. But I, you know what? I think it's okay to say, you know what? I don't want to do it. it that is also and happy, exactly. And yes. I'm happy to write a check yeah. to someone who will. Right. Let's just right. be honest here. Right. Absolutely. So Absolutely. Right. You can give yourself permission, right? You can give yourself permission to say, this really isn't something I want to be doing. I could do it if I wanted to, but I choose not to. Absolutely. Was Absolutely. that good, Stephen? Was that? <laughs> Perfect. So, Perfect. so here, um, I actually, uh, I changed the napkin note based on our conversation. Mm -hmm. So Garth has been writing napkin notes to his daughter, Emma. I don't think Stephen, do, I don't know if Stephen really knows the story, Garth. So I think no, I don't. So give okay, us a, give, what, the one minute. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you the 53 second version. <laughs> My daughter is now 20. I've been writing notes and sticking them into her lunch ever since she was in kindergarten. And, and I still do. So she's in college. I still write her <laughs> notes. So when Emma was in sixth grade, I was diagnosed with cancer for my first time. Um, I've been subsequently diagnosed with cancer seven times. I've lost multiple organs. I've had brain surgery. I've done five and a half years worth of chemo. And he's doing really, really, really well. You're doing because great. Yeah. Today is a win. Every day is a win. And yep. uh, after my third cancer diagnosis, when my doctors told me that I was going to die from this, I wrote out all of the notes that I needed to from then until high school graduation, just in case I died. Wow. And so these notes are very powerful. And I started taking pictures of them back when Emma was in about sixth grade, because I felt like we needed to catalog what we were talking about. This is a note from 2014 that I wrote to her. And it was a quote actually from Vincent Van Gogh. And the quote is, if you hear a voice within you say, you cannot paint, then by all means, paint. And that voice will be silenced. Yes. Mm, love that. Love that. It, it, story. Yeah, isn't it an amazing story? Yeah. The power that we all have with our thoughts every day when we get out of bed. I mean, we look at our to-do list. We look at all the things we have on our calendar. We look at kind of like what we're doing in that day. But most people don't take the time to think about what they're going to choose to allow in their minds throughout the day. And if we really were intentional about that, and if we really gave ourselves time or even permission or the awareness of the power that we have 
as we travel through our days, it could be a game changer. We could really accomplish anything we wanted to do. We just have to decide we want to do it and really stop getting in our own way. You know, there was a point in time early on in my initial diagnosis where I had some pretty dark thoughts and those thoughts were persistent. It wasn't that they were dark. It was that I could not control them. And I don't remember where I read this or who pointed me in the direction, but I'm so thankful that they did. But I I read something that the summary is, I'm the CEO of my own brain. Mm -hmm. so, So if I started to have a bad thought, I had to like stand up in a boardroom and say, you know what? Recognize this thought, but I'm not going to allow you to talk right now. You have to be aware. You had to be aware of your thoughts because let's face it. When a doctor tells you, when someone in a white jacket says you're going to die, it's really hard to discredit that voice that you probably hear hurting your head over and over again. So, I mean, Garth, honestly, how did you kind of turn that off? Because that's pretty powerful right there. Yeah. I recognized that I was in a bad place and I did two things. One is I actually said, what's the worst that could happen? And I realized, okay, this is the worst that could happen. I could die and my family is going to struggle without me as a provider or me as a father or a husband. So how do I mitigate that? Right. So, so let me, let me just plan that I'm going to die. But how can I mitigate all of the issues that might come up from that? And great thing, I didn't die. And so, so we had all of these safety nets put in place, and I felt comfortable living. But then the other thing is, and Dara, I know you and I have talked about this, is that I gave myself permission to have a pity party once a week. Yeah, you, were, you gave yourself, you said to yourself, okay, I'm going to try to be positive on these days, but... Maybe I'm going to designate this day for negative Nelly thoughts. Yep. And then when you gave yourself permission to have them, after a while, you didn't even want to have them. I, I recognize yeah. it. It's like, oh, you know, I'm really just wasting my time feeling sorry for myself. And so maybe I should do something that is, you know, a little bit more positive for me. And it is, it's a constant struggle. Right. So just like the, the, the little cartoon characters sitting on the sofa eating chips in your head, that's an easy place for me to go to because my life still, there's an aspect of it that still sucks. Yeah. But I really try to minimize that, the impact of that so that the whole rest of my life is awesome. You make that choice every single day. Yeah. Steven, do you, is it hard for you? Do you find that you ever have to kind of make that choice or... Are you someone that is just, you're pretty positive most of the time, or, or do you ever have those moments where you get in your own way? And when, if you do, how do you help yourself? I'm positive most of the time because I've decided to change the way I thought. Okay. So that's why I'm positive most of the time. Before, I was probably put negative most of the time to such a point that I didn't want to be here on this earth, but that's a whole okay. other story. Yeah. And so that was the kind of point I thought, okay, you need to change things. Things need to change big time from here. And when I did that, you naturally start to become a more positive person. Garth, you probably find this as well. As well, you just, you're you're naturally more positive now because of what you decided to do with your kind of thoughts and kind of not look, although I I can't even imagine what you kind of were going through. Honestly, I can't even imagine it. I genuinely can't. So, but, so, you know, what's, what's amazing about it is that I can't imagine it either. 
right? So there, when I talk about it, I, I'm almost, I become a separate person. It's the Garth with cancer. And I don't feel like I am that person. I don't feel like I'm the, you know, frankly, the person who's in a critical health situation every single day. Yeah. But it, it's almost, there's almost a, a separation of the positive Garth and then the the sick Garth and the po- you know it's a struggle every day to make sure that the positive Garth wins out. But it's very much like uh, building confidence in that. I always go back to cheesecake or something cooking, right? So if you don't have the confidence in doing it, well, how do you build the confidence? Well, you have to try. And if you fail, then you learn from that failure, and then you maybe correct and make a better or a less worse cheesecake. And then if you keep building on that success, then eventually you're going to be successful at it. And the same thing goes for health. Stephen, here's the interesting thing. Unless there's a major medical change, uh, a miracle, I will always have cancer for the rest of my life. Every morning I'll wake up and I'll have cancer, but I've decided to live in peaceful coexistence with it. That's So you don't define yourself with the cancer now, which is, which is amazing. So you don't, is that, is that what you're saying, Garth? You do not define yourself. I, I don't, uh, but I, I absolutely acknowledge that it's a big you part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I think he, he actively decides every day when he gets up that it's just, yes, I have cancer. It's there, but how am I going to make the most of this beautiful day and live my life the way I want to live it and yeah. not let it get in the way. And you do, I mean, he does that every single day. And as someone who's close to him, I see him doing that. And it's, it's truly remarkable. Stephen's book, The Belief Principle, The Seven Beliefs That Will Transform Your Life, it is a beautiful book filled with so much wisdom. I think that this conversation just gives our listeners just a little glimpse into all the beautiful takeaways they can have. Stephen's The Real Deal. Check it out. All the links are going to be in our show notes. And Stephen, we are so grateful that we had you here today. Oh, I can't thank you enough. Dara, Garth, thank you so much for having me on. And thank you for sharing kind of part of your story as well. Dara, I know you've got a story as well, but Garth, I didn't know that. And it's just amazing. You're living proof. It's just amazing. I mean, Garth really is living proof of the power of your beliefs and the ability to change your thoughts, change your life. And so I'm really glad that we all got to have this time together. Thank you. It's been an awesome time. Thanks for listening. Thrive is created with the hope that we help you develop motivation and inspiration to make your life remarkable. You can find out more about me at napkinnotesdad.com. I invite you to get my free audio download, Reclaim Your Life at crazyperfectlife.com with tips and tools to help you feel your best. It would mean so much to us if you shared this with your friends and family and left us a review on iTunes. Remember, you deserve to thrive. Thrive Podcast is copyrighted by Dara and Garth.